0: Veronica and her mom are estranged because of her mom's intense struggles with mental health that subsequently resulted in abuse. Veronica has been grieving her mom every day for her whole life. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and review. I'd certainly appreciate it. And now, Veronica's story. Hi, this is Beth and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today I have with me Veronica. And Veronica and I, besides having mother-lost connections, I realize that she's sitting in Charleston, South Carolina, which I really wish I was because it's really cold here today in northern, not northern, northern Philadelphia suburb, Pennsylvania. Um, And she also lived in Fort Lauderdale for a while, which so did I. And you know, it is just crazy how um, these connections are made. Uh, through meeting online. So um, I'm going to turn the mic over to Veronica, let her introduce herself and tell her story. And then as always, I'll come back with a few questions at the end. So thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Beth. Um, so like Beth said, my name is Veronica.
1: Um, and to be honest, I was a little bit nervous about sharing my story today. Um, I recognize and honor the tremendous grief in so many of the stories that I have listened to and listening to the podcast Um, And because I think there's a tendency, unfortunately, to sometimes villainize folks who can choose to remove a family member from their lives, especially when it comes to moms. Um, There are so many people who would give anything to have their moms with them still. And sometimes I feel shame at having removed her for that reason. Um, There's this expectation of forgiveness because of the what-ifs associated with more permanent loss. Uh, But the reality is, is I've lost my mom nearly every day. Um, Every single day, her mental illness took both her life from her and ate away at the ties that tethered us together. Um, I've experienced her loss profoundly and often. And as I get older, that loss becomes more and more of a sore spot when I recognize just how much she's missed. Uh, The things about me she'll never know, the people in my life she'll never meet. Um, But it's never swayed my position on the decision I made to remove her from my life, even with the moments of shame, because... The trade-off is getting to maintain my positive memories of her, getting to heal and understand her through my own therapy. Um, all, of, all of which I believe wouldn't have been possible uh, with her present, because when someone in your family is ill, as I'm sure a lot of folks know, um, especially to the extent that she was, your whole life kind of revolves around them, except we were revolving around someone who didn't want to get better. And it can make you resentful, especially as a kid. Um, growing up, my mom was my best friend. We were inseparable. We even had a secret handshake. Uh, (laughs) English was her second language. So we'd pinky promise friends to ever. And then she'd grab my hand and she'd squeeze it three times, which was her quiet way of saying, I love you. Um, I think her mental illness became more pronounced or just maybe more difficult to hide as she and I got older. Difficult for her to find medications that worked without impacting the quality of her life or to find doctors who would actually listen to her and what she was feeling Um, living with her had always been kind of difficult Um, she'd been fairly abusive growing up especially when she was struggling with her dosage and her you know the darker the darker points of her um, her struggle with her mental health Um, and even though I was scared of her as a kid. You idolize your parents. They're your heroes, right? So (laughs) even if I was scared, she was still my mom. She was still my best friend. I still expected her to get better to figure it out. And um, it wasn't until I got older that it became increasingly obvious that she wasn't okay and that she probably wouldn't be getting better. Um, I remember her once explaining to me the level of medication she needed to be on made her feel like she was running underwater. Um, So I knew she was struggling and I knew that the things that were meant to help her maybe weren't, even when I was young. So um, her mental illness came to a head one night my sophomore year of high school. So when I was about 15 and my mom attempted to commit suicide, she had been um, thankfully unsuccessful. And I remember we even had gone to school the next day, like nothing had happened. (laughs) Um, She picked me up from school that next day and I remember it feeling car with a stranger. her energy was just so on edge and it put us on edge, you know, and she really wouldn't even look at me. Um, she was taking me to her therapist's office with her, which was the only thing she'd said when she was picking me up. And I hadn't expected that I had never, never been a part of my mom's, uh, this side of my mom's journey with her mental health. And so, um, I, it was nerve wracking to think that I was going to meet someone that was so important to my mom. Um, when I asked why, but she turned to me, looking at me for the first time before she just said very plainly, like she was talking about the weather, that she wanted her therapist to meet me because she'd been talking about how much she hated me that week, Um, how she had to imagine me as someone or something else to even look at me. And I was 15. (laughs) I had watched my mom tip into this dark place the night before and suddenly it clicked in my head that she'd done it because of me. And again, I was 15. (laughs) And at 15, I had to share what my mom had done with her therapist. And at 15, I had to be a witness to her conversations with the therapist and my dad about her being committed. Um, In Florida, it's called being Baker Acted, which is essentially being required by the state to be committed and held for up to 72 hours for observation, which she was. And when we picked her up, I could feel that she didn't want me to touch her or hug her. And... It just, it, it stuck with me, right? This feeling of just being an outsider because she hated me even more. And really I didn't blame her because I hated myself too. You know, in my family, we didn't go outside of the family with our problems. What happened at home, stayed at home and it wasn't anyone else's business. But I had gone outside of our family. And now I felt like my mom hated me even more because like for most folks who've experienced something similar, uh, being committed had been traumatizing for her. And in my mind, I had caused that by saying something. So um, I struggled with that a lot. And despite her being unsuccessful, despite being committed, despite our belief that she had received the support she needed, uh, the idea that I could come home to find my mom dead became all-consuming. I would walk home from school and I would basically hold my breath, it felt like, until I turned onto our street Because then I could know at least that her car was in the driveway. And if it wasn't, then I knew she was gone and that she had gone to work and that it was safe to unlock the door and go inside without fear of finding her. But if her car was there, then I would stand at the door, I remember, and take deep breaths because all I could think was, what am I going to find when I get on the other side of this door? (laughs) What am I going to find when I go into my home? Um, I had nightmares, night terrors, of course. I'd replay um, that night in my head over and over again. And I even developed ulcers, a physical manifestation of the stress that I was experiencing. And it wasn't like my mom miraculously got better after the fact either, right? So she had stretches of being more stable, but they they never really lasted. So um, it still felt like she was just within reach, but not quite. (laughs) Um, Once I turned 18, uh, my mom spent the next couple of years coming and going from our family's lives until eventually she disappeared altogether for a little while. It was the longest she had gone radio silent, and that was the first time I decided to cut her off. But it didn't stick because, again, she was my mom, my best friend, right? Like, even if I couldn't recognize her anymore, I wanted so badly to believe that she could still be my mom. The mom I sometimes got when it felt like the stars aligned and her medication worked or whatever the case may be. The mom who loved, you know, Halloween and Christmas and scary movies and that three-layer chocolate cake you can get in the freezer aisle, (laughs) which we always had on hand. You know, I held out hope for so long that I'd get her back, but I know the version of her I hold on to so tightly just doesn't exist anymore. And I finally removed her completely from my life at 22 um, when I recognized that her coming and going had started to really impact my younger brother. And I remember letting the rage I felt for him solidify my decision because really it, it felt like it should have been something I had done a long time ago. And I remember... Um, I was working in retail at the time and I had a coworker I trusted that I had shared my decision with. And she told me, sometimes people we love belong on a shelf. And I felt that way about my mom because in my mind, she does belong on a shelf. I can pull her down and remember her as the person she deserved to be, but I don't have to bear witness to who she is now and how that might impact me. Um, And it's been hard, but I've been lucky too because I've had... So many women step up and love me and protect me from, you know, Dr. Sinkrenrat, my AP biology teacher who undoubtedly saved my life because she could see I wasn't okay that my sophomore year. And she made sure to check on me often to Donna Fitzpatrick, the woman who opened her home and her heart to me. Like I was her daughter when I did finally let my mom go. Um, She's also been the person that I've called when a boy has broken my heart. (laughs) So she's definitely, you know, she's definitely been there. And I have my dad who, you know, stepped up and showed up every day. Um, did his best with what he knew and loved my mom fiercely even at her worst which I feel like was such a beautiful example of what it means to love someone unconditionally and of course I miss my mom I love her so much even now and there are moments where I wished desperately that she was still in my life like when my last relationship ended because who doesn't want their mom when a guy breaks your heart but you know the truth is I want for nothing my life is full Of love and full of women who I admire some of whom have children of their own and watching them love their kids and do right by them heals me I miss my mom but I think she's good on
0: the shelf wow uh wow that whole the shelf thing that's such an interesting concept yeah it really resonated with
1: me when she said it too because it just seemed so simple and I remember thinking it was such an unusual way to phrase it but there are so many people who come into our lives for a different season. We don't want to lose the connection we had with them, right? So they do sort of end up on a shelf in our minds where we can pull down and reminisce and think about. And it's, it's, a, it's a nice way to imagine
0: my mom. Yeah. And it kind of instills the, the thought of like a boundary too. Like, yeah. you know, that's your place. Your place isn't, you know, you're not allowed to be here close to me yeah. anymore, but on a shelf, um, you know, seems like a nice, healthy boundary i huh, I like that. <laughs> and I never, you know, kind of thought about putting someone in their place like that. Because like you, sh- you said, you love her and you miss her because she's your mom, you know. Yeah. Um, and thank God for the women who have stepped up in your life. Um, but they, I'm sure they haven't tried to because uh, most of us women know that we can't, you can't step into shoes like that. That's a connection that cannot be reproduced. Um, but sometimes having women who are choosing to love you outside of that kind of is not more special, but special in a really different way. Yeah, yeah. it definitely, it definitely adds to it too. Because To your point,
1: it's, I feel like there's such an expectation that we love our family, right? Like they're with us, we're stuck with them. It is what it is. But when someone outside of your family or someone that you maybe didn't expect even steps in and they, they show you love that you think you're so undeserving of, especially at 15, you know, when I was dealing with it, hearing that my mom hated me, like, how do how do you come back from that at 15 and when you love your mom so much. And so to have people consistently show me that they choose to love me makes
0: such a big difference. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you did mention shame in the beginning. Um, And I feel like, I don't know if it's mostly our Western culture that does that, because I feel like we all do. I think it's just because we handle loss so horribly, whether it's a a death or a physical loss or, you know, the relationship loss like you have, that there is just this, this like bubble wrap of shame that comes around you with it. Like, I, I mean, I, you know, I lost my mom to pancreatic cancer when I was 13 and I felt shame. Like I literally was talking about this yesterday. Because, you know, you said, like, Oh, how was your summer? Oh, my mom died. Well, the fact that, you know, that <laughs> stops everybody real quick. And then, yeah, exactly. oh, Oh, oh she didn't great. And <laughs> talk about this. Yeah. Um, but I, I wanted to ask, so I kind of, um, I'm, I don't know if I misunderstood the part where you were saying that by saying something, it was your fault. I, The way you, you shared your story, it made it sound like you went to the therapist the day after your mom attempted suicide yeah so she had sorry go ahead no I was just like were did you say something you weren't supposed to I'm not under I didn't didn't understand that part of your story yeah so um in my mind it wasn't something I'm supposed to
1: share that she had attempted suicide um she had standing appointments with her therapist week to week And so it just happened to coincide with it being the next day that she just had an appointment. And so thankfully that was the case because I think she probably would have been more of a harm to herself if that hadn't been the case. Uh, But going the next day and having her just sort of act as though nothing happened, having my whole family really act as though nothing had happened the night before. And then going into this room and having to be a tiny adult basically and say, you know, this terrible thing happened with my mom and I'm scared that it's going to happen again. And then having that sort of cascade into then her being committed and then, you know, her not
0: necessarily getting better. Okay. Okay. Now that makes, now that makes sense. And how, but why of all the days do they decide to take you to an appointment? Would it be that day? I I have no, no idea. Have you ever asked your dad about that? No, I don't think that he knew that she had picked me up from school.
1: So my parent, like, we lived a couple of blocks from the high school that I attended, and so I would just walk home from school every day. So I think he assumed that, that had been what had happened that evening, and so when she picked me up from school, she would have she was supposed to have been at work, and so I think that was I think there was a little bit of a disconnect as to why I was even with her to begin with. <laughs> so okay, um, it was. It was bizarre all around and it's not something that my family and i talk about very often like i think my brother and i are just now um we're six years apart so this happened obviously quite a few years ago but um my brother and i just now and me being almost 30 years old you know him and i are just now talking about what that was like growing up with my mom so um it's not something that has been easy to kind of piece together it's just sort of like bits and pieces in my mind and like snapshots of what happened. And um, something that you mentioned with the shame too, is that often with trauma and it's something that I'm working on a lot is that we tend to distrust our own version of events. And we tend to think, you know, minimizing and, Oh, it's not that bad. It's not that serious. And I saw that I did that a lot. And so um, I think it didn't even occur to me to ask why until you just said that now because I'm just like, oh, well, yeah, why, why would I? Like, we don't talk about that, you know? So. <laughs>
0: uh, and is your has your dad, would you, do you feel like your dad would be open for it to talk about things like that now that you're almost 30, maybe? You know, it's different? Maybe. Um, I think as I get older and this,
1: I feel like this is a little bit dark, but I think his morality becomes something that's very evident because we're getting older. And I think he's starting to recognize that, so I think he's starting to soften a little bit too. Um, he's like very old school Italian, and so <laughs> uh, uh, emotions are not top of the top of the top of the agenda for him. But and I and I say that absolutely with love, and um, yeah, we love you, Dad. We're not yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, so I think he may be open to it now. Um, and I'd be curious too to see what it looked like from his lens, because I can't imagine being a parent and having your daughter call you from a therapist's office to say like, Hey,
0: um, something's wrong. <laughs> like that's so Okay. I thought your it. dad was there. I thought no. your dad. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. So then you had to call him and tell him about like that. The Baker act was being, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what you were 13 at that age at that time, 15. 15. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking of sophomore year of high school. Like you got enough other stuff going on. That's that. That's a huge whirlwind of events. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's, and I mean, I hope you're okay with this. It's, you know, several years later, but isn't it strange to look back and think, hmm, that could have either been a really series of unfortunate events, you know, like the book series that happened all at the same time, or like you said, if that hadn't happened, she didn't get, you know, help then. You know, isn't it just so? Looking back at things with a different lens when you've had time to process the space in between uh, the hurt and your anger and your shame—it's really, really hmm. an interesting series of events. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, because I can't imagine what made her say, you know, oh today I'm gonna take Veronica with me, you know?
1: Yeah, uh it was it is strange and I, I don't know why she did, but I'm glad that she did because even if to this day she resents me and even if I do feel guilt about anything that may have negatively impacted her while she was committed, um I recognize the value in her being alive so that my brother could maybe have a connection with her or I could maybe even reconcile with her down the line if that ends up being an opportunity, then to not have her at all, so.
0: her, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe she, in the back of her mind, wanted you there. Um, wanted you, you know, maybe she knew that you would do, that she would say it. I don't know. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, now it makes sense, so thank you for... Thank you for um, straightening that out for me. Oh, yeah. Um, and so your brother is six years younger than you. So he's 23 yes. ish. Um, yeah. And do you mind me asking how your relationship is? It's strong. Um, yeah. It wasn't super strong when we were younger. Uh, I
1: think he, I think I took out on him that I had to protect him like it wasn't his fault but it felt like my responsibility to be his guardian and to kind of shield him from some of the things that had happened and when you're 15 16 17 years old you're young you're a kid you're still angsty you're still figuring stuff out and so it was easy to be angry and resentful that he didn't have to experience the things that I did even if I was glad that he hadn't and so um as we got older as i moved away from the relationship with my mom as I started to sort of establish myself outside of my family was when I started to recognize the value of the experience being different so I'm glad that the version of my mom that my brother has is so different and I'm glad that his experience is different and I'm grateful that we are as close now as we are and I think it's sad that it feels a little bit like we're all trauma bonded you know it's like a family but um, it's nice to know that they are my family they're there and they love me and we choose each other every day because we know that our mom is not a part of our life but part of our lives um, he communicates with her a little bit more than I do because I don't at all of course but um it's I don't know it's nice to have other people who know what it's like to grow up
0: with someone like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Even if you, you know, six years of difference did make it a totally different experience for both of you. Um, yeah. I can imagine if that, if you didn't have that to be able to work back and forth with your brother, that w- that would be an even bigger mind game for yourself. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Because you know how we spin those stories in our head um absolutely clearly, yeah you know not have been somebody else them. yep wow when you said that I was like man I just went through <laughs> that myself and I mean this year is going to be 40 years that my mom is gone but I had a whole bunch of crap happen with my grandparents and after the years you know you go well maybe they weren't so bad you know maybe maybe I was an angsty teen like you're talking about uh-huh. and I just met with some family members who I had never met before and I was like Oh no, they were schmucks. (laughs) They were jerks. (laughs) (laughs) I was only 13. Like I might've been an angsty teen, but they were the dang adults, you know? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's
1: something I've grappled with a lot because I, I was even nervous to come on the podcast to talk about my mom because I'm like, what if what I'm talking about is just absolute nonsense? Like what if how I remember it is not actually what happened? And My therapist said something to me that really resonated, which was like, what a disservice that is to the younger version of you that survived. What a disservice it is to minimize that experience because she deserves to to be honored for having survived, for having been and become the person that I am today, who's able to talk about my mom, who can exist and recognize the ways that I attempted to survive. Like, yeah, minimizing what a disservice, but she had to do it in order to get through the day to day. So then why is an adult now, can I not honor that that's just a coping mechanism? Cause she deserves to to be honored for getting to this point.
0: So mm-hmm. that's how I'm trying how to frame it. Ah, I love that. I love that. Um, and there is something now, now talking about it, it's not for everybody. I, I totally yeah. understand that. But there is something about either writing it or speaking it or something that it just every time, for me at least, I've realized as i like I said I have 40 years so I have a lot more time on you you know than you've been dealing with yours well you have 29 so <laughs> um but the more that I can talk about it and share it that shame just releases its stranglehold yeah the the grip is just a little less tight every time but yeah I never thought about it being an honor to the you know the 13 year old that I was at that time that's yeah. I like your therapist, <laughs> She's on, but she, they weren't the ones that said the mom on the shelf, right? But boy, I've gotten a lot of wisdom from you, Veronica. <laughs>
1: great. Very lucky. I feel like I'm surrounded by people who just, I always like to joke that I believe the the world is good and that people are good because I know good people and I get to experience them every day and I get to love them and I get to be loved by them and it makes it less scary and your point about voicing your story and repeating it and being able to say it out loud is, I think it gives you ownership of your story too, because if it just exists in our mind, I feel like we can allow all of the conditioning or all of the ways that we've enabled ourselves to survive to this point to then kind of take away from our experience and our story, but being able to say it out loud and talk about it with other people and have it validated and say like, wow, that actually was kind of bad right like that really sucked <laughs> and it's something so small but it's so empowering to to feel like okay yeah i'm i'm not crazy like that was hard right like that was scary so uh that's been the biggest takeaway i think
0: uh because it is true you say that line you go oh dang yeah okay yeah that was pretty traumatic mm-hmm. yeah
1: mm-hmm. oh that's yeah. why i'm like that <laughs>
0: Oh, it's so true. It's so true. That's what everybody, I've got, I get so much positive feedback, which I'm so grateful for, but selfishly it's been a big part of my own healing journey too, you know? Um, so, and I just, I, like I always say, I feel privileged to be sitting on this side of the microphone and, and that you're willing to share your story on this platform. So, um, you, you sound like you've got a really good head on your shoulders, Veronica. Um, and that you're you're doing the hard work. Um, but you know, life is hard. Life is hard anyways. Um, yeah. and so doing the hard work to allow yourself to to thrive and flourish. And I mean, you have this beautiful smile on your face. People will see a little bit of a video, but um you know, um, yeah, congratulations for doing the hard work so that you can continue to grow and and live and not just survive, but thrive. Thank you yeah yeah beautiful beautiful smile and face um <laughs>
1: thank
0: you yeah you're <laughs> welcome okay veronica is there a final thought that you would like to share with the listeners before we wrap up today you don't you've had to have had a lot of great <laughs> a lot of great insights so <laughs> put your mom on a shelf don't deserve <laughs> you just do to see your younger version <laughs> uh,
1: I don't think I have anything else aside from just thank you for this platform. I think it's, it was empowering to go back and listen. I've listened to the podcast before, but going back and listening to the episodes with the context of like, this is going to be me soon, uh, made it a lot less intimidating too. I think, you know, it was something that we talked about at the beginning. It was just like the community around grief with other people who've experienced it is so, it's such a big deal. It's, it's such a big deal. And I, I really, Like just what credit you deserve for being able to like pull these folks together to share their stories because I as healing as you say it's it is for you it's I know it's healing
0: for me like I I can't wait to tell my therapist. Oh yes, you're welcome, Veronica. Thanks so much for being here. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.